Well, today, uh, as we start this new chapter in the life of our church, um, God's got something new for us. God's got an incredible journey that He wants to take us on this year. And uh, I've heard that, you know, in, in the latter part of last year, what God wants to do um, this year. And I'm so excited, as I mentioned before, as we're going to journey through uh, Vision Month in February. But before we get there, all right, I, I, I'm, like, I'm burning. I can't wait to get to February. But before we get there, in order to prepare our hearts for the new thing that God wants to do in us, I want us to turn to Philippians uh, chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 1 to 7. Uh, and I'll give you a second to turn there. If you don't have your Bible today, that's all good. It's going to come up on the screen. And it says this in Philippians chapter 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. You are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense of the confirmation of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that it is so rich. We thank you that your word says it is there to challenge us, to equip us, to encourage us, to make us more like your son. And God, I thank you today that this is a house full of people who are hungry, a house full of disciples who are eager to know how to love better, how to walk better, how to look and breathe and think like Jesus. And so, Father, we open our hearts to you today afresh, and we ask that you would speak to us. God, we don't come into this moment passively. We, we want to grow. We want to know you more. And God, we pray that you would speak to us like only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It was actually real funny. Um, Luke and I didn't, didn't chat before the service. But I was going to ask you this question this morning. Has anyone ever let you down? <laughs> and Luke, as he went through that communion, really highlighted that moment that Peter uh, and, and also Judas really kind of let Jesus down in that moment. But Jesus reached out again and came out to him. But I want to ask you this question this morning. Has anyone ever let you down? down. And just like we said with the aircon, there's a resounding amen. There's an amen. It's people letting us down. Things happening in our life, it's, it's just a part of life. It's a part of being a human. You know, and as I was pondering this thought, uh, I don't know why, this random memory came to my heart. Maybe there's some deep issue that I need to deal with. Uh, I just remember that when I was a young kid, I went to uh, this basketball camp because I was an inspiring uh, next generation NBA player and just waiting, but it just, it just didn't happen, unfortunately. And uh, nah, all good. Uh, I'm still a bit sore about it, a bit cut up about it. But I was at this basketball camp and uh, there was a promised professional player that was going to come to this camp. It was one of the, uh, at that time, one of the current um, uh, Perth Wildcat players. I'm like, yes, yeah, it's going to be amazing. And, you know, I've not really ever met anyone famous in my life. And I'm like really like, you know, practicing my drills like a good white boy, just kind of like just trying to just be good at this game called basketball. And literally every so often I would peer out 
when I was kind of on the baseline, I'd peer out and try and look to the exit. I'm like, is he coming yet? It's like, oh, no, just get, get back, keep training, keep training. And, I'm, and all of us kids were starting to get a bit like, man, what's going on? Like, where's this guy? We've been waiting for him. Pretty much the only reason why we signed up for this camp was so we can meet this basketball player. And minute by minute went, and it, it was all happening. And then, lo and behold, um, the, the, even the trainer kind of dragged out the training session, and parents are kind of looking around, look at their watches, and that player didn't show up that day. And little Sammy was just a little bit disappointed in his heart and to be honest the organizer was a bit like man what's going on with this guy we booked him in months ago he didn't show up uh, anyway long story short probably forgot about it or he's probably just too busy shooting hoops himself at another complete basketball stadium or something like that and you know that's that's comical and that's something that you know is there to kind of just you know just a, a joke in the journey of my life but who knows that people let us down that stuff happens in our life and there can be things like that that are little and insignificant but also there can be deep moments of pain where people let us down. It can be that work colleague that completely throws you under the bus for no apparent reason, that email thread that just comes through as you log back in to start the year and you're like, what was that? What happened there? I'm going to have to try and sort that out as I go about my year. Maybe it's that family member that's broken trust. Maybe it's a close friend that wasn't with you during that hard time. I don't know what it might be, but we've all experience that, that moment of feeling let down in our life. And as I said before, it's just a part of the human condition. It's just a part of what we do and how we live our life, that there are going to be moments where people do let us down. But who knows that there is one who never lets us down, ever. There is only one person who never, ever, ever, ever lets us down and though it might feel like it sometimes he doesn't even though we might feel like it's the worst season even though those things that I said about family members and friends and work colleagues God throwing us under the bus God breaking trust with us God neglecting us sometimes it can feel like that but who knows that once you're on the other side of that hindsight will actually let you know no that was for my good God actually knew that I needed to go through that season, go through that circumstance. Even though it may feel like that, God never lets us down. What does verse 6 says? I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes when we approach God, with all of this human hurt that we experience with fellow humans, we can actually bring that broken heart as we come before God. And we can bring that heart that's been broken by humans and come to a good God, a perfect God, and actually project what is happening on here on earth onto Him. And we actually don't remember that we don't realize that God's never failed us, that He actually doesn't have the capacity to fail us. He's either perfect or is not. And the thing is, we're not perfect. And so therefore, He is. He is perfect. And so when we come to Him, we can actually sometimes bring this weight, bring this baggage and go, God, where were you when that happened? We can bring this mindset because who knows, we live this life. We're we're let down in life. But when it comes to our relationship with God, when it comes to living life with God, He will never, ever let us down. And what can begin to happen is that we actually begin to trust God like we trust humans. 
Again, maybe you, you handed off someone, handed off something to someone over the holiday period as you went off to holidays. Maybe there was something that happened during the family season that is Christmas or whatever. And who knows that when someone wrongs us, we're like, oh, there's a little part of us that goes, you know, there's a, there's a grace for that. There's, there's actually an, an okay for that. But when it comes to God, that's not the posture that we have with him. He's a good God. Who knows that maybe it's like, oh, you know, it's just that person. That person does this all the time. That's not how God operates. When we come to God, we can actually completely trust him, knowing that he has our good intention in his heart. He knows what is good. He knows what is best for us. Again, drawing back from what I was saying before, it might feel like what we're going through isn't the best. It might feel like God is distant. It might feel like God is neglected. But the truth of the word of God is that he will never leave, that he will never forsake us. He doesn't. And so sometimes we can actually trust God like we trust humans. And we have this human way of trusting, this human way of relating to God. It's like, oh, you know, that person made this mistake for me or this is what can happen in my life. But when it comes to our walk with God, we've actually got to not bring our broken human heart to Him with this perspective and actually go, you know what, God, you, you know. And I'm not going to bring the way that I live life with people to you. I'm going to come to you, even though it may be difficult, even though it may be something that I need to change in the way of my thinking. You're good. You're perfect. You know. You know the way. You know the path. You know how I should live and walk and breathe in my life. What he says he does, he will do and he will continue to do. Who he is, is the same yesterday, today and forever. God doesn't say something and, and lie about it. What does Numbers say? Numbers 23, 19. God is not man that he should lie or the son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said he will not do it or has he spoken or will he not fulfill it? Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? When it comes to us relating to humans, there needs to be grace. There needs to be forgiveness. There, there, there needs to be a wisdom in us to go that sometimes people are going to hurt us, not just, uh, you know, expecting that that's just who that person is and that they're never going to change. You understand my heart here. There's a wisdom to go, you know what, people are going to fail me, but we don't bring that mindset to our perfect father. He knows the way. He knows what is right. He knows what is our good intention in our life. You know, as I was thinking and praying about this moment this morning, so randomly, I was actually just, uh, we just got back from our holiday and I was putting up out, we've got the shade sail for this trampoline that we've got out the front. And I was putting it back up because if there was a storm, that thing will just, that, that thing will fly if that thing was not taken off before we left. And I was putting it up and just the most random mundane thing that I was doing at home. And this verse dropped in my heart. What God starts, will he not complete? The good work that he began in you, will he not bring to fruition? Here's the thing, he will not let you down is what he's saying in this verse. What I start, I will finish. Some of us might be carrying the burdens and the weights of what 2023 brought and we might be bringing them into 2024. Who knows that a New Year's in, in some respects is just a date change, that, that hurt, that baggage, that weight, that thing, that job, you're still carrying that through into a new year. But here's the thing, God says, what I start, I will finish. I will bring it to completion. Maybe for you, that wasn't the story. Maybe 2024 was something, it was an easy breezy year. But as you look towards this year, you're going, gosh, this year is actually going to have its challenges. This year is going to have its trials. I want to encourage you, what God started, 
he will bring to completion. He will bring it to fruition. What did he start? He started your life. What God starts, he will finish. Of course, we have this amazing privilege and blessing of being able to procreate, but who knows that it's not just us that does it. In fact, it, it, it's, we just partake in the partnership of what he's allowed us to do. God begins every life. And so what God starts, he will finish. What God begins, what God begins to construct us, our life, how he builds us and shapes us, he continues on. Here's the most amazing truth. God does not start a project and abandon it. If you go to my house, there's a few little projects that are there. And some of them are still in my mind, but some of them may be abandoned. But that's not with God. That's not the way that God sees you. God doesn't bring you into life and go, cool. And forget about you. What God starts, your life, breath in your lungs today, what God starts, He will bring into completion. What God begins in you with callings and with dreams, God will bring to completion. Parents, your kids, you may have brought them into this world, but actually God brought them into this world. And you might be thinking, gosh, how, what, how do I do this parent thing? How do I raise this child? What God started, He will finish. Trust in Him. Lean in Him. God's got the answer. God's got the solution for what you're hoping for and dreaming for. And this statement that Paul writes is actually quite a remarkable statement to be penning, to be writing down. He didn't have a pen back then. Anyway, but he, what he wrote down in the specific moment that he was in is actually an amazing conclusion that he has come to. Because the context of this letter to the Philippians, of those who are in Philippi, Paul is writing this letter, as we read, in prison. He's waiting for trial. He's waiting pretty much for the end of his life. And literally a few verses later, through verses 12 to 18, if you want to read that in your own time, Paul's literally... Come to, he's actually not debating. He's come to this point in his life where he's actually saying, you know what, if I go up to heaven, that would be great. But if I stay down here on earth, that will also be great. He's on the other side of the pain of like, God, why am I here in prison? Why am I, what is going on in my life? He's on the other side of that wrestle. He's on the other side of that inner turmoil. He's actually saying, you know what, to go would be awesome. But to be here would actually be, and he says specifically to these guys, to your benefit, to stay so that I can minister in this place. Paul is in prison. He has the audacity to say this. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What an incredible statement. What an incredible conclusion to come to while being imprisoned. It's okay to come to that conclusion on the mountaintop. Oh, what, what God began, I'm sure of this, you know. Good paycheck comes through. Oh, I'm sure of this, that what God began, he'll bring to completion. No, Paul is at the bottom of the bottom. He's at the lowest of the low at his point in his life with Jesus. But in fact, actually, it might look like that physically, but he's actually at the highest point of his ministry. We live and serve in this upside down kingdom that our circumstances don't determine our hearts, that they don't determine our emotions, they don't determine what is going on in our life. God is up to something, even in the midst of hardship, even in the midst of literal imprisonment, God is up to something greater than what we can think, ask, and or imagine. He's writing this letter to the Philippians uh, 
not just because he's in prison, but because he's actually heard of what this church that he planted, that he inspired, that he brought into being, that they're doing amazing things. And he's writing it for a few reasons. He's writing it because, I don't know if you picked it up, there's a great love that Paul has for the people in Philippi. And he actually says later on in other verses in this very short letter, I, I, I yearn, I'm eager to come be with you, but I don't think it's actually going to be able to happen. And the reason he actually wrote this letter is because he heard the incredible things that were happening in this church, so much so that he actually realized that he received financial benef- benefit from these people in this church. They heard that he was in prison and they sent finances to him. They sent resource to him. And so he's, he's writing to this church in Philippi, encouraging them, thanking them. But he's actually also heard that they're experiencing persecution, that they're experiencing some opposition to them uh, preaching and proclaiming the gospel. We see that in verse 28 of chapter 1. But here's the thing. He's encouraging them to continue to preach the gospel faithfully. And this is what it all comes to in this verse 6. It actually is right at the beginning here. But what he says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. This is everything that is going on in Paul's mind. I'm in prison, but this church is helping me, supporting me. What I deposited in this people is flourishing. They've not forgotten about me. They're continuing to support. They're continuing to actually advance the gospel. They're living out this gospel call as they bless and empower me to continue to do what I am doing. And so this morning, I want to unpack these phrases that are in this verse, in verse 6, and see what it could mean, see how we could uh, apply it to our life today, in this day, in 2024, the first Sunday of our year. The first phrase is this, he who began. And I've already kind of mentioned this already, but he who began, everything starts with God. Everything starts with God. The breath in your lungs started with God. The soil, the land that we walk on, it all started with God. And it didn't just start when things happened. It started in his heart. It started in his mind. Everything comes back to our good and amazing God. Everything starts with God. All things. You know, the thing that he's called you to do, that sense, that, that dream, that, that thing that you feel like God's asking you to do this year, it all begins. It all comes back to God. And you might not feel like, gosh, how am I going to do this this year? How am I going to achieve this this year? What, what God's asking me to do, how God's asking me to do it, just remember that it actually didn't start with you. It started with God. All things start with God. He actually doesn't just start it and forget about it, as I was saying before. He doesn't neglect what he starts. He actually sustains what he starts. As it says in verse 6 there, uh, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. So God doesn't start something, forget about it, move on, and not do nothing about it. He actually starts something. He empowers it to continue to go on, and he's there right at the end. Come on, I want to encourage you today. The first Sunday of this year, at the beginning of this year, what God starts, He will finish. All the things that you learned last year in growing in your walk with God, don't forget that in last year. Remember that what God starts, He wants to continue. He wants to grow in you. I don't know about you, but maybe over these last couple of weeks break, maybe it was a bit of a dry time for you in your walk with God. And you know what? May that be a challenge to you. May there be something that actually wakes you up and makes you realize, hey, I can't just rely on Sunday to have a fellowship with God. 
I've got to have my own walk with Jesus. I've got to have my own prayer life with God. But be encouraged. What God has started in you, what's God started in you? Salvation. God started that. It wasn't you. God started it. What's God continuing to do in you? Your sanctification, your work with your walk with God. And though maybe you have abandoned it, God hasn't. He's still doing it. He's still wanting to work it in you. And he's going to be there until the end. It's amazing. We're actually given this timeline. God starts it. He continues it. And he'll be there to the end. The phrase that we get is to the completion of Jesus Christ when he actually comes down from heaven to earth again. And we don't know when that is. But what that means for us is whether Jesus comes in our lifetime or whether we pass, he will be there to the end. He is there. He's not going to neglect. He's not going to forget. He will be there. He who began, everything starts with God. You know, this year when you actually do reach a valley, and I don't want to prophesy that over you, it's just going to happen. There's going to be moments this year. Remember what God started, he will finish. And what God starts, he continues to stay in. And when he continues to stay in, he's looking towards a glorious future for you. When it feels like God is distant, when it feels like what the heck is going on? Why am I in this season? What's going on with work? What's going on in my family? Remember that what God starts in you, he will complete. He will finish. What is the thing that God's doing in us? Here's the next point. A good work. A good work. And specifically, a useful kingdom work. When you unpack this word good, of course it means things that are holy, set apart, things that are noble, everything that is good about God, that God does a good work in us. But more than that, what this word actually means is useful. Good in the sense that you can actually use it. Maybe some of you got some Christmas presents this year because something was broken. You can't use it anymore. We've got a blender at home that is broken and we need to go to Kmart ASAP to get a new blender because the other one's not useful. We need to find something that is usable. This work that God does in us, of course, he calls us to holiness, he makes us righteous. But this good here is actually referring to God making you useful. God making you able to build and extend the kingdom. So it's not just good or righteous or noble or just living a cute little good Christian life. No, the good work that Paul was talking about here is the work of you becoming more like the gospel and that the gospel actually coming out of you. That he who began a good work in you will be completed, it will be sustained and it will come to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. A useful work. And as you read the rest of Philippians, you actually realize that Paul's whole charge to them is this, even though I'm in prison, even though you are facing persecution, even though there is this and that going on, remain faithful to the advancement of the gospel. Remain faithful to the advancement of God's good, powerful, forgiving, grace-filled message of hope for the reality of this world. I want to ask you this question today. As you maybe sat down and planned and thought about your year, the year 2024, was the gospel in it? Was the advancement of God's love, grace, mercy, the call to repentance, was it in your plans this year? Is it in your plans to be a good worker of the gospel? Not a discarded thing that sits on the shelf and becomes dusty, something that's useful to God, 
something that God can use, something that God can shape, something that God could bring about an amazing kingdom work in your life. Hello, this is Disciple House. This is what we're about. We, we want to go into all the world and make disciples. What is the world? It's your workplace. It's your family. It's your friends. It's wherever you find yourself. You, not just the pastor standing up here, doing all the work, making things happen, bringing about the kingdom of God. No, no, all of us extending the kingdom and not necessarily about this kingdom, this house, this church, but you going about your kingdom business. God has a good work for you. And some of you sit and going, oh, I, I can't do this. I can't do that. Well, God starts, he sustains, and he brings about to completion. It's actually not about you. It's about you face down, surrender to God. God, help me in this good work that you're wanting to do in my heart and in my life. Who's heard this verse before? Verse 6. He who began a good work in you will bring it to its completion. It's a bit of a fridge magnet kind of verse. And, and at a glance reading, you can just kind of think, oh, it's just about God making me good. You know, I was once bad. Then I met Jesus. You know, classic testimony structure. I was, you know, BC, before Jesus, I found Jesus, and now I'm in Jesus. I'm, and now life's about just being good. No. Once you know Jesus, life's about telling others about Jesus through the way that you live, the way that you walk, the way you talk, the way you go about your work, the way about you handle your finances, the way you raise your kids, the way you interact with in society, the one who is, you can, in, in societal terms, you can actually neglect that person, you can flip that person off, don't worry about them. No, we're called to love everyone. The way that we live our life holistically, God asks us to be useful people. As we read the rest of this uh, chapter in Philippians, Paul actually begins to challenge people, take seriously your walk with God. And don't expect that it's just going to all fall on your lap. It's this partnership with God that you become a good, useful person for the kingdom of God. Verses 12 to 14 says this, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, being in prison, has really served to advance the gospel. You're hearing Paul's perspective here. So it, has come, so it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and so all the rest of my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, have been able to speak much more boldly the word without fear. And so intertwined throughout this whole book, is not, it's, it's not top 10 tips for your best Western life. It's top 10 tips to live a good, useful life for the kingdom of God, for the advancement. When Paul is in prison... And I guess we're here on the other side of possibly that inner turmoil that he found himself in. But Paul's saying, hey, I'm actually, God had a reason for me to be here. The whole prison knows about Jesus now. And in fact, also I've heard reports that because of my imprisonment, people are now less fearful to proclaim the gospel when they're not in prison. They're like, If that's what it's like in prison, then out of prison has actually got to be pretty good. And, you know, we're not in prison in Australia. We're not in the Middle East. We're not in China. Where the, to be honest, where the gospel is exploding right now. We're not there. Yet, maybe we give in to fear like we are in prison. And that how the, that's how the enemy would love to have us be held and but us believe that lie. But here's the thing. The good, useful work that God wants to do in your life, of course, he wants you to live a blessed life. But more than that, he wants you to live a useful life for the kingdom. The good work. The good work, the salvation work that God does in you is not just so that you can be comfortable and be okay and have your ticket to heaven. It's so that you can continue to hand out other tickets to people so that they can come to know a life-giving relationship with Jesus. 
We're already week one, and I'm kind of already going, come on, let's make disciples. Sam, calm down. It's week one of the year. No, this is what we're about. This is what we want to do. Here's the third point this morning. The work that God does is in you. The good work that he does in you. Here's the thing. Before God works through you, he works in you. Before he does things through your hands and through your life, the work first starts in your heart. And I don't think I need to go too deep into that because that's what last year was about. Last year was about that inner deep work that we went on last year, that we would drive our roots down deep into our walk with God so that we can be as strong as we can possibly be. Who knows that a strong tree on the outside actually has a deeper root system. It has something that is supporting it. And so the work that the good work that God wants to do in you is the work that he does in you first. If you look at Paul's life, Paul didn't go into prison day one of him following Jesus. God did many things in him as he went about that life. And Paul is able to, in this time in the history of his life, is able to have this perspective because God did so much work in his life. And God said, you know what? You're ready for the next assignment I have for you. And Paul's like, what is it? What nation am I going to? Where are you wanting to take me? Prison. <laughs> That's where I want you Where I want you to go. That's where I want you to be. And you know what? It takes a person who has done deep inner work and deep walk with God to be able to have that perspective when they're in prison. God has sent me here. And it's for the people in this room. And it's for everyone who is outside of this prison. And you know what? He probably doesn't pen it down, but he knew it. It was for me as well. It was for him, for that inner work in his life. Some of the best things that came out of Paul's ministry were in, was in that prison room as he penned all these letters that we are still reading here today. Come on, I want to encourage you this year. I don't know what you're thinking about or what you're looking towards. Maybe the fears you have, maybe the things you're carrying from last year into next. What God starts, he will sustain and he will finish in Jesus' name. My second last point this morning is this. He will bring it to completion. He will bring it to completion. What he starts, he finishes. You know, I've said this phrase obviously many times this morning. The title of my message is what God starts, he completes. But the, the, the wording is very intentional. It's not just that what God starts, he finishes. It's what God starts, he completes. It implies that there is this journey. Completing something isn't something that happens in an instant. It's something that happens in moments of time. There's this journey. There's this sense of putting this piece together, putting that piece together. Anyone get Lego for Christmas? When you open the box, it wasn't just there, ready to go. You had to make it. And that's the whole thing about Lego. That's, that's the enjoyment of, of getting it. And when it takes too quick, you're kind of like, oh, that, that really wasn't what my money was worth. That's a picture of our life. That God's just placing pieces of Lego, the pieces of the puzzle of our life together. But who knows sometimes that we can feel like in this world that we live in, that we're not advancing enough. In this microwave world that we live in, everything instant, the drive-through world that we live in, we all love drive-through. But that's not our walk with God. Our walk with God is one Lego piece at a time. And what God starts, He completes. What does that mean? Submit to the slow walk with Jesus. There are, there are, in the book of Acts, there are many, many suddenlies that we see. And suddenly this happened. And suddenly that happened. But what is also there is the slow work of following Jesus. As um, Luke was talking about today with Peter, he was able to do those miracles and those wonders because he followed Jesus for three years. Not just once on a Sunday, but 24-7. 
following Jesus for three years before anything happened miraculous in his life. And then the suddenlies came and then the wonders came. You know, if you're, if you're like, man, where's God? I'm praying. This is happening. Just remember, it's a journey. And God's the beginning. He's the end. He sees the length of time and he knows the exact right moment for a suddenly to happen. But before a suddenly happens, he's doing a work in you. He's working something in you. He's bringing it to completion. If Esther could come up on the keys, that'd be awesome. My last point this morning is this. It's the first thing that Paul says, but it's the last thing that I want to focus on. I am convinced. I am convinced. This isn't Jesus writing these words, although we know this is the Holy Spirit empowering Paul to write this letter. But this is Paul saying, I am convinced. I love the life that Jesus lived. Jesus said that we would do many more amazing things that, that he did, that we would be empowered by his spirit. And of course, we, we love that, we follow that. But when I read Paul, it's actually like, you know, this, this is just, this is a guy. This is, this is a human. This is someone that I can, Jesus, of course, we relate to him. But you hear with my heart when I'm saying, we can really relate to this human. This, he's not God, he's just a human. And Paul's perspective is, I am convinced And what this actually says and implies to us is that Paul has actually gone on this journey of starting, being sustained. And he's come to this point where he's, as we know, as the story goes on, he's almost at the end of his life. But he's convinced. He's done this journey with God. I am convinced of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul's perspective, it all shifted. It was able to be a holy perspective because of this. He remembered that he begins things. He remembered that it's all for a good work. It's not just so that I'm a good person. It's all for a good work, that he does the work, that he sustains, that the work is done in us so that he can work through us. And Paul comes to this conclusion, I am convinced. How was Paul convinced? This was the question I was asking as I was studying the scripture. What convinced Paul? I believe there are two reasons why Paul was convinced of this statement. The first one is this. He turned his hardship into a good work. He turned his hard situation into a good work. I don't know about you, but you might be facing something tough. It could be something as mundane as work or something as mundane as a family life. But remember, God is doing a good work in you. It could feel like the normal life of family, doing dishes when you don't want to do it. God's doing a good work in you when you're doing the dishes. That's more me rather than Esther. That's, that's like God's shaping me, molding me, being more servant-like. There's wedding vows I promised. I'm going to love you like Christ loves the church. Scrubbing those dishes even though I don't want to do it. God's building a good work in you. It's, it's in the mundane and it's in the higher things in life, of course, as well. That's the first reason. Paul turned his hardship for good, not just a good thing, but a good work. But also, here's the second reason that Paul is convinced, and I think it's the most profound. His beloved Philippians were growing despite his distance from them. Paul planted this church in Philippi, and since then he's long been gone elsewhere doing other things, and he finds himself in this Roman prison, awaiting his execution, awaiting trial, and he receives a gift from the Philippians. This is not a Jewish people, this is the Gentile people. The gospel was so well deposited in them 
that the good work that God had done in them was continuing. Look at it from Paul's perspective. Paul has planted this church. We hear the the love and endearment that Paul has for these people. He's probably thinking, he doesn't have Instagram. He's not checking up on them like, how was church for them this week? He can't do that. It's probably been months since he's had contact with them. And he receives this gift, this financial blessing while he's in prison to sustain him, to help him. Because it's not like our prisons today. We get three meals a day. He's probably scrounging around for some mice or something like that. I don't know. But he receives this gift. And what does it tell Paul? I'm convinced that even though I am separate from these people, God's sustaining this work. God's continuing this work that I deposited in these people. I actually don't need to be there. I am convinced that He who began a good work in you will bring it to its completion. Here's the truth of this, of this passage. It's the work that God did in, the good work that God did in the Philippians that came through them, through the financial blessing to Paul, that convinced Paul that the good work that he deposited in is being sustained, even though that he is not around, even though he is not there. He's in prison, literally unable to go and visit them, unable to be with them. This is why Paul is convinced. And you're sitting there going, that's great. What does that mean for me? Do you want to know how we know, how you would know what your life is like? How do you know the life that you live for the gospel is true and meaningful. How do you know that your life with Jesus is real? Is your life convincing? Is your good works convincing? Is your love for people convincing? Or is it just kind of culture status quo? Or is it a kingdom culture, a kingdom way? Is the gospel doing such a work in you as is continuing to sustain it in you, the good work that he wants to do in you? Is it eventually flowing out. Here is Paul in prison, so distanced and far away. And the convincing thing for him is this, the gospel is changing them. They would have once held tightly, but now they're giving freely. They didn't know me from a bar of soap, but they're blessing me generously. It was their act of the gospel that convinced him that God is sustaining their work, that God is sustaining their hearts and God will do it again. What's the thing for you today? What God did in you last year He will sustain it and He will do it again. What God deposited in you, that time you read your word, that maybe that moment on Sunday, that that aha moment, that altar call moment, whatever it was, what God started, He will continue. I don't know about you, but sometimes for me, it's like, gosh, like I've reached here, but how do I then get to the next level? What God started, He will continue. That breakthrough that you had, it's just the one of the million things that God wants to do in your heart. What God started, He will continue. He will bring to the completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What God starts, He finishes. What God starts, He sustains. What what God builds, He completes. What God starts, He doesn't abandon. God is faithful to us. And I love this, and I've said this before. God does not abandon a project. He starts something, He completes it. Later on in Philippians, to finish off, Paul says this. Keep all of this in mind as you read this verse. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the heart. This is this perspective that I would love for us to have this year. That all of the good things And even all of the bad things that we may have encountered last year, bring them 
with the lessons and the things that you've learned and all those good, amazing things. But we're not looking into last year. We're looking towards what God has for us this year. Looking forward, pressing forward towards the goal that God has for this house, but also the goal that God has for your individual life, your ministry, the ministry that God's called you to do. Here at Disciple House, we want to empower you for your ministry, for your calling. All of us are called to go do kingdom work elsewhere, somewhere else. Maybe it's directly in this house. Maybe it's out where else, uh, out somewhere else. But we, to do that, we've got to have this perspective. When life happens, when people let us down, when we feel like God is distant, we've got to remember that God is not. We forget what lies behind and we press forward to the good thing, the good work that God is doing in us so it, so it can come about through us. In Jesus' name.